This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. And weakness begets weakness. I want to hear from you tonight on the Rita Cosby Show. If you think President Trump would have handled the situation way differently with Russia's dictator, Vladimir Putin, because finally, President Biden has admitted, well, it wasn't really a, quote, minor incursion. Maybe it was an invasion, and maybe we do need to respond. It's like he's the last one in the world who's realizing, I don't think Vladimir Putin could have made it more clearly. He issues a statement yesterday, a long one, for over an hour, tells the world on camera, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to basically take over at least two parts of Ukraine, and I'm going to keep on going. And then today... He says he's sending his troops in for peacekeeping, that his troops are ready. He gets the forces basically approved by everybody on his staff. It's like he's saying, I am gearing up for war. I am taking over Ukraine, essentially. And finally, President Biden's like, uh, 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 oh, it's not a minor incursion after all. Maybe we do need to do something. To me, I was really heartbroken to see. The foreign minister of Ukraine pleading basically with the world today, essentially in Washington, trying to beg the White House and everybody else, hey, please help us. We gave up our nukes a couple years ago, our nuclear weapons in return that basically the world would protect us. We gave them up. And what's happened? Now we're vulnerable. Now we're sitting back and we're begging And now they're finding out that the Biden administration, again, wouldn't do even preemptive sanctions as a result. Boy, is he slow on the draw. And I want to hear your thoughts tonight. If you think under President Trump, if he were president today, do you think Vladimir Putin would have ever tried this move? I think it would not have happened. And I think things would have been extremely different. He wouldn't have been sleeping on the job and then do very tepid responses in return. I am still not hearing anybody from this administration, and we're under now a very serious moment, where anybody is like pounding their fist on the table. What about like this will not happen? The world is not going to allow this to happen. Even if you listen to President Biden today, he sounds like he's half asleep when he's talking about it. Well, we're going to do sanctions. We're sort of going to do this. And meanwhile, Ukraine is like, uh, we're about to be taken over. Are you going to do something, America? Are you going to be a leader or not? It is really shocking. And even the Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, this is how he poses the risk 
by Russia today. This sounds like a dire warning. Too bad their actions have not reflected it. But take a listen. This is how he views Russia. His plan all along has been to invade Ukraine, to control Ukraine and its people, to destroy Ukraine's democracy, which offers a stark contrast to the autocracy that he leads, to reclaim Ukraine as a part of Russia. That's why this is the greatest threat to security in Europe since World War II. Ukraine is in danger. President Putin is blatantly and violently breaking the laws and principles that have kept the peace across Europe and around the world for decades. So the greatest threat to Europe since World War II. That's a pretty big statement from a guy who's usually kind of low key. And by the way, I agree with him. I think this is a really scary situation. And President Biden agrees that it's scary because he realizes that they're actually calling a people for blood to get blood supplies. So that surely sounds like the Russians who are doing that, along with building up tanks. They're moving into these areas right there on the border, you know, right into Ukraine. They were only, you know, a few miles. Now they're actually moving into some of these Russian separatist areas. They said they're going to do it. He, I mean, it's like couldn't be more blatant of what they were going to do. And in fact, they're also getting blood donations. And President Biden knows what that means. Russia's moved supplies of blood and medical equipment into position on their border. You don't need blood unless you plan on starting a war. Right. You don't need blood unless you plan on starting a war. So why did it take this administration, the basically backlash of almost everybody in the media, when yesterday, right after Putin came out, he came out to the world and said, this is what I'm going to do. And then administration officials, they were on the phone call with reporters last night saying, guess what? This is just a minor incursion. We're just going to sort of see where things go. And there was so much backlash from even liberals in the media that this is not a minor incursion. You just heard President Vladimir Putin say he's going to take over basically another country and he's starting right away. And you're calling it a minor incursion. It was so bad that they came out this morning and said, no, it's actually an invasion. We 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 correct ourselves. I mean, he can't even figure out if it's an incursion or an invasion. It is unbelievable. So now that he's come to the conclusion that it is an invasion, which you know, if it was President Trump, he would have been like, if you step in and even think about invading, XXX is going to happen. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. They would do preemptive strikes and there would be hard hitting conversations. And that ain't happening, clearly, because, listen, Vladimir Putin doesn't seem concerned whatsoever about President Biden. And even after Biden came to the conclusion that the rest of the world did, that it is indeed going to be an invasion that Russia is planning, they basically said, here's what we're going to do. I mean, you couldn't do a bigger, bigger, like blaring red sign. Here it is, President Biden. He still had a very tepid response. Take a listen to the sanctions that he issued just a few hours ago. Who in the Lord's name does Putin think gives him the right to declare new so-called countries on territory that belong to his neighbors? This is a flagrant violation of international law and demands a firm response from the international community. So it's a firm response from the international community. So what is the response? Now, let me play. This is cut number three. This is President Biden, cut number three, saying some of the sanctions. We're implementing full blocking sanctions on two large Russian financial institutions, VEB 
and their military bank. We're implementing comprehensive sanctions on Russian sovereign debt. That means we've cut off Russia's government from Western financing. So I'm going to cut off a few banks. That's all I'm going to do. The guy has said he's going to invade a country. And you've said, oh, I'm just going to cut off a few banks, not even out of the international banking system, which is sort of their main source of revenue and funding. The SWIFT banking system, that's like the big blow. They're not even going there. They're just going after a few different banks. And then he also said he's going to go after a few individuals. Take a listen to President Biden. This is his hard-hitting response. Starting tomorrow and continuing in the days ahead, we'll also impose sanctions on Russia's elites and their family members. They share in the corrupt gains of the Kremlin policies and should share in the pain as well. Does that sound like a guy that Vladimir Putin, a KGB leader who says he's going to take over Ukraine and bring back the Soviet Union, has anything to worry about? Sadly, no. And President Trump says that this Russia crisis never would have happened under his watch because he knows Putin very well. He says that Biden's weakness has essentially emboldened Russia and possibly other bad actors to move in. Take a listen to President Trump. Well, I, I wouldn't be in this position because we're in a very bad position right now. And it would have, as I said, it would never have happened. I know him very well, got along with him very well. I stopped his pipeline. I sanctioned them more than anybody ever sanctioned them. Nobody was ever tougher on Russia, but I got along with Putin very well. We respected each other. Uh, I think you have a whole different ball game right now. This is just an exercise. Yeah, it is a mess. And sadly, he's correct that I think other bad actors are watching this very closely. So what are your thoughts? Would President Trump have handled this totally differently? First of all, tone, actions, so many different levels. I'm still hearing Biden half awake. Oh, we're going to sort of sanction somebody. If I'm Ukraine, I would be worried sick tonight. one 800 848 Eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Dom in Minnesota. Dom, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts, my friend. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, you know, I couldn't call all these days because I took a second job to make enough money to drive to my first job. That's what I'm doing these days. Uh, well, I am glad to hear from you. Yes, we haven't heard from you for a while, but I, I'm I'm sorry you got to work so hard. But I'm glad you're taking a break now. <laughs> yeah, th- thanks to Biden because I had to take the second job to you know pay enough money for gas to drive to my first job. That's oh what I'm my gosh! <laughs> by the way, the way things are going, Dom, I'm sorry you're going to probably need a third and fourth job. By, by the way, he's I'm, dealing I'm, with us. I'm, I'm, I'm putting my wife and my kids and my dog to work too. Okay, good. Thank Sure the but dog on, the, on the main, on the main <laughs> point, you know, Biden, Biden is very predictable. And as, I'm sorry to say it's a sorry excuse for a leader, if that name even fits. Putin is somewhat unpredictable, but a master tactician, which he probably honed from his KGB days. The advantage we had was Trump was equally unpredictable, which is what made Putin afraid of him. He didn't know what he was going to do. And the way we're going today, we're going to try to ignite a new Cold War with Russia. And with China and Russia coming together, that's going to be a hell of a mess for the West. That's that's my impression on what's going on today. Yeah, I think you are absolutely right, Dom. And that's what really scares me. Um, and Dom, by the way, I love the call from you. Keep the calls coming and, and don't work too hard, my friend. But I think you're right. I think that Biden clearly emits weakness. 
And Putin, as you said, is a master strategist. He's a military expert. He watches history. He studies history, too. I mean, he very much keeps an eye on things and studies where things are going. He knows that actually, by the way, today was a day of sort of like embarrassment for the Russian people when the Ukrainians actually kicked them out many, many years ago. It was like a very big historical day, sort of a uh, eyesore to the Russian people. So this is the perfect day for him to be announcing these kind of things. Um, And these dates are important to Putin. He also telegraphed it. He wrote this thing in July. He wrote basically the blueprint for it in July. So now suddenly, like, Biden's having some epiphany. I mean, he's still kind of like, oh, 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 he's actually going to move in. Yeah, he's been telling you for months. Like, it couldn't be more blatant. And I just think about, to your point, how different it would be under President Trump. Do you agree, everybody, that this would not have happened under President Trump, that President Trump really would have been hardcore with President Putin, that this never would have happened. President Trump says this would not have happened under his watch, that he knows Putin. Putin would have known better. And he has a relationship with Putin. And he would have let Putin know under no uncertain terms, you are not going to invade a democracy. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And I'll continue with your calls here on The Rita Cosby Show when we come back. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. Senator Lindsey Graham said Biden looks so weak and Putin knows it. And these sanctions that Biden came down with today are just nothing. Biden's just kind of just dropping a few little sanctions and Putin is laughing all the way to the bank. Take a listen to Lindsey Graham. So unfortunately, Joe Biden is not going toe to toe with Putin. Putin, he's getting run over by by Putin and the Iranians are watching uh, and the Chinese are watching. So to President Biden, if you want some help in Congress, in the Senate, to be tougher against Russia, I stand willing to help you. If you continue this appeasement track, I will be your worst nightmare. Wow. And Lindsey Graham said history is going to remember President Biden not in a very good light. We need more Churchills and less Neville Chamberlains. The West, particularly led by the Biden administration, has had a Neville Chamberlain approach to Putin, to Iran, to many other areas. So is Biden more of a Neville Chamberlain and is history going to say, boy, did the U.S. leader miss the mark and create what could be a reshaping of Europe? And certainly it looks like Putin's mind, a reshaping and enhancement of Russia. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And also, what is the impact on all of us in terms of gas prices? Biden's policy of canceling Keystone His policy of, at that point, giving the green light to the Nord Stream pipeline, making us not energy independent anymore, which it was the case under President Trump. You don't think that that's also played big time into Putin's hands? It could not come at a worse time. Talk about Robert Case. Remember his uh, comments? Remember him basically saying, well, Robert Gates, rather, of uh, Defense Secretary under then President Obama said, you know what? Biden has been wrong on basically every foreign policy decision 
of the last many decades. And sadly, that may turn out to be even more so true after what we have seen in the last few months. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Frank in Bangor, Maine. Frank, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts about Trump versus Biden with Putin. Rita, greetings from the great state of Maine. You know, Rita, uh, Trump had it right. Trump was emulating what what President Reagan said, peaceful coexistence. This man, this person, this Ibid we have in the White House now is doing is doing a lollipops and flowers with this man. And it's not doing us any it isn't doing us any justice. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at it like this. Um, I'll go beyond what, what, what Senator Graham said. I think Venezuela is watching it, too, because Venezuela got their eyes on, on Guyana. And they're saying, wait a minute. They could do it. China could do it with Taiwan. We could do it with Guyana. We could take it over. What are they going to do? I think, I, think, I think Biden's way over his head, and I think he's going to snap. I think he's going to snap enough where they won't know what to do with him next. I think he's going to, I think he's going to resign from the presidency. Yeah, see, I I don't see the resignation happening, Frank, but I don't know if they really get what's going on. Um, Your point is a good one, because I do think that there are a lot of bad actors, including Venezuela and obviously China and Iran, sort of the next top of the list uh, right after Russia, looking and saying, you know what, this is a really good time to do something you know, bad against uh, somewhere else in the world that I want to take over or any situation because they're seeing President Biden weak. They're also seeing as he's heading into the midterms. I mean, the latest polls are showing that the the Democrats may get a bloodbath in November, that things are so bad because people are just going, huh? But they don't seem to want to admit that their strategy is disastrous, not just for America, but for the world. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break, 1-800-848-9222. And one of our favorite segments, Back the Blue, after the break. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a former Tulsa, Oklahoma police officer who recently jumped into action saved an 80-year-old man from a burning truck. And he has a message about the importance of helping others regardless of your training. Officer Curtis McLaughlin was in a drive through at a Chick-fil-A restaurant when he noticed smoke and then flames coming from underneath the pickup truck in front of him. He said, gosh, there's a lot of fire on the ground. There's got to be even more fire up in the engine. And he was a passenger in a car behind it, and he wasted no time. He ran to the truck. He got the driver, 80-year-old John Price, out from behind the wheel. Now, Officer McLaughlin said it was a team effort. He instructed the staff inside the restaurant also to call 911, and they provided him with a fire extinguisher from the kitchen that allowed him to also douse the flames until the Tulsa Fire Department arrived on the scene. And he said that his 17-year-old son said, Dad, you are a hero. You saved that man's life. And he said that in this age, which everyone is pulling out phones when they see something unusual occurring, McLaughlin says you have to act first. I don't want to see that filming something is more important than actually taking care of the situation. And most importantly, helping other people. First and foremost, 
because the footage doesn't matter if somebody actually loses their life. That is a great, great message, and bravo to his great training at the Tulsa, Oklahoma Police Department. And a big kudos always to our great, brave men and women in blue. And by the way, in the next hour, we're going to be talking about soft on crime DAs and the great job that law enforcement police officers do busting the people, but then the importance that DAs play because there have been some huge cases of late that just exemplify it. And one of them is just mortifying uh, coming out of Los Angeles where a child molester who's convicted basically gets no time. It's a shocking case. We're actually going to talk to the deputy DA in that case at 1120. And then also, we also are going to talk about a case in New York where a guy had 46 prior arrests, including a couple violent offenses. And he basically gets a slap on the wrist from the Manhattan DA. So we're going to do a big wake-up call of what's going on with these crazy DAs across the country and how important that role is, because that is key to the justice system, not just our great men and women in blue. And we are talking, meantime, about what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, particularly as Russia is definitely on the march. you got Vladimir Putin all over the place saying, here's what's going on. He's actually getting blood donations from fellow Russians so they could be prepared for the next step. He's also talking about sending in more peacekeeping, although they're big tanks and rocket launchers and all that. Somehow that doesn't really look like peacekeeping, but he is definitely on the move. And meantime, President Biden is just doing a few sets of, I think, very tepid sanctions against Russia. And, of course, former President Trump says this never would have happened under my watch. I would have shown strength to begin with. Putin never would have crossed the line. And I would have absolutely put my foot down and I would have talked to Putin and he never would have crossed into Ukraine. Do you agree, everybody, that definitely President Putin is taking advantage of a very weak White House? Well, Congressman Mike Gallagher, a Republican, says absolutely so. Take a listen. So this White House has been caught flat-footed from the start. They've contributed to the crisis with their disastrous energy policy, and we are running out of time and running out of options, and these sanctions are simply not going to get the job done. Yeah, they're definitely not. And they're after the fact, did nothing to dissuade Putin, and I think Putin right now is laughing, going, yeah, that's all they're doing, so what? It's just, it is so little, so late. And meanwhile, also President Biden today, when he came out and was announcing these tepid sanctions, basically came out and said, you know what, Americans also be ready, basically signaling that we're going to be paying a price economically for their bad decisions. So first, President Biden cancels the Keystone pipeline. All right. Then he basically makes us non-energy independent. He also stops drilling on federal lands in America, the whole slew of things. So we have to rely elsewhere for oil and gas. Right. He does all these steps does all these things, and now he's wondering, well, gosh, now because this is happening, it may cost us more at the pump. So Americans may very much be paying a very higher price. Already we see gas prices skyrocketing. They're over a buck more than they were a year ago. When you go to the pump and you go get a gallon of gas, It's you see it. All of us see it. But now they could skyrocket as a result of these bad decisions where Biden was so focused on climate change, climate change, climate change. And now we may pay a dear price because of what has happened, not just with his 
environmental policies, but these bad policies in handling Vladimir Putin. Take a listen. Here's a little more of Congressman Mike Gallagher saying it's unfair that Americas may have to pay the price. Americans shouldn't have to sacrifice and suffer for President Biden's foolish decisions. He made the decision to cancel Keystone in the first week of his administration. He made the decision to lift sanctions on Nord Stream 2. So reversing those two decisions would go a long way towards atoning for those bad mistakes, as well as stopping the war on domestic energy production here in America. And Congressman Gallagher also takes it one step further, saying that because now we are in a bind to now get production from somewhere else so we can keep our prices down, get this, we may have to turn to Iran to maybe get oil and gas. We may have to do a deal with the devil. So it gets worse. Take a listen. I believe in the months leading up to this crisis, he was withholding gas flows to Europe to further squeeze the Europeans and exhibit and use leverage in the energy domain. That's going to continue throughout this crisis. That's going to put further pressure on the administration to get an Iran deal at any price because they want to bring Iranian crude onto the energy market in order to alleviate that pain that Americans are feeling for their bad foreign policy decisions. How scary is that? That suddenly it might be like, oh, Iran, I love you. We need you. How scary is that? He might be hugging the Ayatollah as a result of these bad decisions. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Ed in Babylon. Ed, go ahead. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts about all of this, Ed? Well, Rita, my Polish-Danish sister, you'll always know me for those call letters. Thank you, Ed. And you're near and dear to my heart. Whenever you say the word Polish and Danish, it's near and dear to my Uh, heart. Go ahead. Pierogies and all to you, believe me. Uh, It's a lovely thing. Good as love. You can take the man out of the KGB, but you can't take the KGB out of Putin. You really can't. And Putin equals smoke distraction and deploying things what do you think about him how, how what, what's your gut feeling because we have a little you know uh, uh legacy with our parents in europe and your dad my dad were in world war ii my dad was in the south pacific what's your gut feeling because they gave us good genes they gave us this country as a gift Rita. I'm, I'm almost in tears right now oh my god and ed by the way i am so upset about seeing what's happening because needless to say, Poland is very worried, Ed. I mean, right there on the border. And those borders have changed a million different times, as we know. By the way, my father, everybody, was born in Brest, which is now Belarus, which is where so many of those troops that are moving from Russian troops, because now it's Russian land. So, I mean, we know those borders have changed so many times through history. And the Poles are really worried right now because Ukraine is so close. I mean, it's right there on the border, the the western part. Um, and I'm really concerned because, you know, my father always told me a story. I'll never forget this. When the Nazis came in, my father was telling me the story that when the Germans first came in and invaded his country and he saw the planes coming above, he literally saw the, the German invasion coming into his country. He was a young boy, teenager, and he decided to stay and fight like the Ukrainian guys are doing right now and talking about these young teenagers. And so my father and his father were heading then away from Warsaw, and then they got wind that the Russians were coming. And my father says he remembered my his father's face, saying, oh, my gosh, it's the Russians. 
we got to turn around. These Germans are never going to be as bad as the Russians are. Think about that. What a bad day that is in history when your two arch rivals, you got Russia on one side coming in, your, your Germany's already attacked, and your choice is where to go. And my father said they decided to go back towards Germany, not knowing, of course, what, what was to come. But that should answer your question, Ed, because my father always thought that the Russians were ruthless and they were brutal and that they play for keeps. And needless to say, the Nazis did the same, as we know, horribly so throughout history. So when you have somebody like a dictator like Putin saying, this is what I'm going to do, you know he's going for it. You know he's going to do it. And I don't believe, especially at this point in his life and this point in history and this moment, I am extremely concerned that he's going to keep going well past these two regions. He's already kind of telegraphed it. And I'm concerned he's going to just keep on going as far as he can. I think he's going to keep trying to go as west as far as he can. And guess what? The next thing on the map is Poland. Um, Don't you dare touch Poland, Putin. We'll uh, break in, too, if you try to do that. But I am thinking in his mind, he's thinking of the glory days of Russia and will try to do whatever the heck he can. And knowing my own history and your history, Ed, we will never let that happen. But we need a president with cojones. This president is so lackluster. He is so flipping and flopping. And he is doing nothing to send a message of strength and a message of determination and a message of leadership. And that's the only thing a thug understands. And Putin is a thug. My father saw it. Your father saw it. And history is going to see it, unfortunately, too, as well. Ed, thank you very much. I love your call and always love hearing from you. Thanks so much. Let's go, if we can, let's go to Nick in Toronto. Nick, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Go ahead, Nick. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you doing? What do you think is going to happen now? And do you think that Trump would have handled it differently? I think yes. It wouldn't even have gotten to this if if Trump was, was president. I mean, Trump had them in a box. He had Iran. He had China. He had everybody in a box. The Iranians were so petrified that they shot down, I believe it was a Ukrainian plane. They thought it was an American plane. So he had them basically crap in their pants. Yeah, and and look what's happened now. Look what's happened well, now. That, but that's what I'm saying. Putin's not stupid. He he can smell blood. I mean, look at Joe Biden. Seriously, we have an idiot running our country. Yours is a bigger idiot. Yeah, boy, Seriously. the way. Yeah, you've you know? you've you've got you've got essentially a pseudo dictator right now with a freedom but convoy. He, you know that he, happened he, the way he handled that. Well, our, our, our moron could have been defeated, but we have we have another party that votes along with him because he's in a, he's in a minority government. But just just you know, like Donald Trump was the man. At first, I never liked Trump because of his shows and all that. But when the media started hammering on him, hammering on him, I said, "Hold on a second. You know, the, the left is out of control here." But Donald Trump, he just stuck a feather up, up everyone's. You know what? And he did a really good job. I just, I just wish we had a, a politician up here that that had just a little bit of Donald Trump, just a little bit. <laughs> We'd be okay. Yeah, and, and I think there are a lot of people who even were critical of Trump that are now saying, you know what? Those mean tweets weren't so bad, boy. Mean you look at, yeah, you know, they'll take a mean tweet any day over World War Three. You know. Can I ask you a question? Um, I, I, I work with Polish and Ukrainian people up here, and um, I can't understand why they like um, Tutin Germany's horn. I, 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 I can't understand that. 
Like I worked with a few of them, and Germany this and Germany that. And well, said, that that's because are you guys serious? Well, listen, and not everybody says that, by the way. Um, but uh, getting to modern times, they are big trading partners. You know, I mean, they they do a lot of business together. They do trading partners. And by the way, compared to Russia right now in modern times, they're definitely not so bad. Believe me, comparatively. But I know it's weird. It was interesting when I saw the relationship. Um, between Poland and Germany, it's always a weird thing for me as the daughter of a Polish freedom fighter uh, because my dad fought the Germans, you know, so it's a it's a weird thing. But in modern times, they're doing tons of business together and, and they've had peaceful relationships, you know, uh, in for decades now, um, which is obviously a far cry from what now we're seeing with Russia and what could be to come, sadly. 1-800-848-9222, one 800 Eight four eight nine two two two. We're going to continue with your calls. Do you agree with Nick from Toronto, who says that Trump would be so much better right now, and that we have a lackluster, basically no president in the White House? That's how they see it from Canada. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And you're listening to the Rita Cosby Show, Ukraine's foreign minister pleading with America today in Washington, saying, please protect us, America. Take a listen. In 1994, Ukraine abandoned its third largest nuclear arsenal in the world in response for security guarantees promised to us by, some, by a number of countries, including the United States. America always keeps its promises, and uh, we did something which to, to strengthen world security, something that was in the interest of the United States back in 1994. It's time for America to stick to its promise and pay back and make a contribution to our security. So what is America doing? Well, they waited till Russia invaded, and now they're doing weak sanctions. And Congressman Mike McCall says this president's policy has been disastrous and there will be many repercussions. Well, this president has shown weakness um, for the last year. And that's why we're in the mess we're in right now, I think. And deterrence is always a key. But I think what the president needs to say now is he, he wanted to wait after an invasion to do these sanctions. Uh, he, needs, he said they're going to be swift and severe. Uh, that's what I want to hear. And he has to sanction the oligarchs, the banks, and export control in terms of technology and, like, semiconductor chips. If he does this, he provides some deterrence. But, you know, Sandra, I'm, I'm afraid the damage has already been done. And it looks like the damage absolutely has been done. one 800 Let's go to Stan in Forest Hill. Stan, your thoughts about where we are now, and don't you think Trump would have done a better job than President Biden, Stan. Report it, Mr. Putin. What are you kidding about? He was not for NATO. He he didn't like NATO. And you can be sure, if he was in the job, he wouldn't have done a damn thing. He wouldn't send in troops. What would he, launch missiles? Come on, Rita, get your head together on this. This guy wasn't going to NATO. He was basically about the United States, and that's it, and his own survival. No. Well, two, hey, Stan, 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 two things. First off, part of the reason that he was having trouble with NATO was NATO wasn't paying its fair share. A number of members, including Germany, 
you know? And then two, he was, yes, America first because he cared about energy independence. And if we were energy independent, we would have much more leverage over Russia right now. Right now, they're talking about maybe we might have to turn to Iran for oil. So you think we're going to have any leverage over Iran and an Iran nuclear deal? He's going to fold like a tent on that one. Go ahead. The gentleman who just, the gentleman from uh, Ukraine who just said, he was absolutely correct. He said, we gave up, our, that was a big mistake, giving up his nuclear arsenal or whatever they did yeah, at that time. He, I thought yeah. that was ridiculous. And you know why he did it, it, Stan? He did it because America said, we will protect you. If you give it up, well, that's true. America's going to protect okay. you. So here, he is, so here he is groveling today in Washington, begging for help. And all he gets is, well, I'm not sure if it's an incursion, if it's an invasion. That is a disaster. It's a disaster. Go ahead, Stan. I'll give you a few seconds. Rita, let's get something straight. If you're ready for a nuclear war, then we'll have a nuclear war. Donald Trump would have never launched anything. No guts and absolutely nothing. He would be more worried about his wife and kids and hiding them. Absolutely not. But he would have been he would have been more worried and Stan, I love your calls always, so thank you very much for the call, Stan. I totally disagree with you because Donald Trump would have said, Yes, let's put America first. He would have said, let's care about American energy independence because he understood that American energy independence is leverage. And now this president, first of all, lost that and can't even figure out if it's an invasion, if it's an incursion. You got Putin saying, hey, I'm invading. What else do you need? I mean, it's like a two-year-old would have been able to figure it out. Putin was glaring and blaring it. I mean, you can't take a bigger message This president is like way off the chart. He has no clue what he's doing. He doesn't know where he's going. And he's put us in a position where now we're going to be groveling for oil and gas from the world to try to keep our own prices down and also Europe's prices down. I mean, he has created not just chaos in America. He's created chaos overseas and put us in a horrible, horrible position. And President Trump, who cared about, quote, America first, would have kept America first and also would have appreciated that relationship with Ukraine. You know he would have. So you are far off the mark, my friend. When we come back, we're going to talk about soft on crime DAs and a horrible case where a convicted child molester barely gets any time. It is shocking. And that is coming up thanks to liberal DAs. Feisty, fearless and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. Well, soft on crime DAs are definitely getting a little bit of a wake-up call. In the last few hours, and we're going to be talking to Deputy DA John Hatami, who is one of the folks sort of leading this effort. A number of deputy DAs are now finally bandying together to kick off prosecutor George Gascon. He is probably one of the softest DAs in the country. And the Association of Deputy District Attorneys for Los Angeles County where he is the DA, and that's a union representing about 800 prosecutors. 
announced just a few hours ago that an overwhelming majority of its membership voted in favor of recalling their boss, the embattled DA. And it is so bad there in Los Angeles that the deputy DAs, most of them under George Gascon, said, I can't believe how bad this guy is, that he is so terrible for society, he's terrible for victims. And in just about 10 minutes or so, we are going to have Jonathan Hatami, again, the current deputy DA, talking about Gascon and why he is one of the folks leading the effort to get his boss out of his job, saying that he is a menace basically to Los Angeles and to the country, that his policies are so bad in the fight against crime at a time where crime is escalating across the country. And there have been a couple big notable cases where these soft on crime DAs really are having devastating effects for all of us. And tonight, I want to hear from you as to who do you blame? Do you blame the deputy DAs? Do you blame the voters who put them in? And is it time to put more pressure on many of these DAs across the country? I'm happy to see that a recall effort is now taking speed in Los Angeles. This is the second recall. By the way, the first recall for Gascon, they didn't even get like half the required uh, amount of signatures. So I think a lot has changed in the last few months and people are going, oh, my God. Hopefully they get well beyond what they need to be able to get a recall And hopefully they get this guy out of office. It's outrageous. In New York, you can't get him out of office. In New York, the governor can remove them. So why isn't Kathy Hochul getting more pressure to remove soft on crime Alvin Bragg? And why are not other governors and other voters engaged across the country to finally have a wake-up call where crime is escalating? And so much so with these repeat offenders. And so much so that the head of the Fraternal Order of Police says... These DAs are so misguided at a time that it is disastrous for our cities. Take a listen to Joe Grimaldi with the Fraternal Order of Police. And what these DAs are really telling these communities when they embrace these soft on crime policies is we don't give a damn about you and your families and we don't care about your safety. That is scary stuff when you think about it. And in New York, there was a case, we'll get to that in a moment, where a career criminal with 46 previous arrests was caught after he was trying to rob somebody, rob somebody on a subway. And good old Alvin Bragg basically reduces the penalty. It would have been a felony. And he reduces it to a misdemeanor, a petty larceny. And basically nothing for the guy. And he's got 46 priors, including a whole bunch of violent arrests. It's like, what more do you need? And then I think nothing epitomizes soft on crime DAs like a case that is just mortifying the country right now. And this is why John Hatami is going to be a blockbuster coming up to hear his thoughts on this one. This is the case of a convicted child molester. It was a guy. His name was James Tubbs. He changed his name to Hannah. Um, He is a transgender child molester. By the way, he changed his sex After he was busted, we're going to get to that in a moment because what he was busted for is atrocious. He is now 26 years old. But in 2014, when he was just two weeks shy of turning 18 years old, he walked into a Denny's restaurant and he sexually assaulted a 10-year-old girl in the bathroom. Think about this, how horrible this is. So he goes in there 
Um, they finally track him down through another violent assault, through another crime. They finally figure out who did it. It wasn't that long ago. And they arrest him, basically. It was in 2019. So years later, they arrest him. Now he is 26 years old. And he comes up for sentencing. And this is under George Gascone's leadership. And George Gascone decides to sentence this guy who has violent offenses all over the place. And again, this horrible crime. He sentences him as a juvenile. He is now 26 years old. And he sentences him to two years in a juvenile facility. Again, he is a convicted child molester. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They're going to put a convicted transgender child molester who now goes by the name Hannah. His name was James. He changed his name and his sex, he said, and his identification after he was arrested. So people wonder if that was a ploy to get soft on crime, you know, soft leniency from uh, DAs and others. And they're now going to put a convicted child molester who's 26 years old in a juvenile facility with other with juveniles. He's not even a juvenile anymore. But because when the act happened, they decided to, at that point, prosecute him under a juvenile statute. So you're going to put a 26-year-old child molester with a whole bunch of juveniles right now. And that's the whole punishment you're going to give him. That is not going to be tough crime. Juvenile facilities are much lighter. And, in fact, he probably would not have served any time whatsoever. There probably was going to be probation. And this guy knew how to game the system like there's no tomorrow because his sentencing just happened last month. And take a listen to him talking to his own father. This is leaked video. This is leaked audio um, from law enforcement. These are from jail conversations that took place between this guy when he is basically in jail waiting for a sentence, and he's talking to his father. Take a listen. He is basically laughing at the system, mocking the DA, and saying, they're not going to do anything to me. I basically game the system, and he's laughing about it. A convicted child molester. Listen to now Hannah Tubbs talking to her dad. Don't worry about it. It's a strike, but they're going to plead. I'm going to plead out to it. I'm going to plead guilty. They're going to stick me on probation. And it's going to be dropped. It's going to be done. Done. I won't have to register. I won't have to nothing. For an offender, you don't have to register? I won't have to do none of that. So what are they going to do to you then? Nothing. Yeah, they're not going to do anything. This is a guy who sexually assaulted, he's convicted of it, of doing things to a 10-year-old girl. And by the way, on those calls, he's also heard describing the girl and what he did. And he's also describing... Her in very sexual terms. Can you imagine what a weird relationship with the father? And he's describing what he did to the girl and laughing about it, saying, you know, basically talking about his attraction to the girl. It, it is so disgusting. And if there's ever a case where you say, throw away the key to somebody like this. And this DA in L.A. had the choice to put this guy as an adult because he was right on the edge right there. And it's obviously a very heinous, violent crime. And he decides to give this guy two years in juvenile. Take a listen. Here's a little bit more of this convicted sex offender just laughing at the system. So now they're going to put me with other trannies that have similar cases like mine or with one tranny like me that has a case like mine. 
So when you come to court, make sure you address me as her. It'll be hard, but you have to do it. Yeah, you have to do it because basically I know how to game the system. This is him guiding his father. Unbelievable. And then he also said, if you don't think this guy's a flight risk, take a listen to this next exchange with his dad. If there is a next time I ever get in trouble, I'm leaving the state. I'm leaving the country. I ain't staying. <laughs> oh, isn't that hilarious? How sad is that? So these tapes came out, and now Gascon is on the hot seat. So coming up in just a few minutes, we are going to be talking to Deputy DA John Hatami. He is right underneath George Gascon. And by the way, his specialty are child sex crimes. So this will be really interesting to get his take. He is among the DAs now, the deputy DAs, calling for a recall of his own boss, that his own boss is so soft on crime. So I want to hear from you tonight. How do you think we can turn this around? And how sickened are you when you hear a child molester laughing, gaming the system, saying that, oh, don't worry, they're just going to put me in juvenile detention. No big deal. And remember to call me, Dad, by my new name because, remember, I know it's going to be hard because I just basically changed my name so I could try to figure out how to game the system and get softer and get in a nicer position, a better place. You know, you're going to put a child molester in a juvenile detention center. And he's basically saying, well, based on my plea, guess what? I'm not going to do anything. And he doesn't even have to register as a sex offender. This, to me, is so out. Outrageous. And if this doesn't reinforce why you got to have DAs who know what they're talking about and throw the book at people, I don't know what is. By the way, recidivism for sex offenders is so high. It's one of the highest in the country in terms of the ratio. If you're a sex offender, usually it happens over and over and over again. This is the kind of person you throw away the key and lock them up and you never see the light of day. When we come back, we're going to talk to John Hatami, one of the deputy DAs leading the charge to get rid of soft on crime boss George Gascon. right after the break. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And you're listening to the Rita Cosby Show. Many people fed up with the soft on crime DAs. Epitomizing it all, it seems, is George Gascon, who is the leading DA there, the main guy in Los Angeles. But now things are so bad that L.A. County's deputy district attorneys are basically revolting against him and basically pushing for a recall, and that includes also our next guest here on the show who just announced a few hours ago uh, the formation of a political action committee to try to secure Gascon's ouster. Joining us now is a guy who actually works for Gascon and is fed up, deputy district attorney from Los Angeles and great uh, victims advocate and public safety advocate, Jonathan Hatami. Uh, John, great to have you here on the show again. Thank you so much for having me, Rita. You know, it's outrageous. First of all, by the way, bravo to you for pushing for this recall effort and also other deputy DAs that are there. It is amazing because our folks who are listening are going, wait a minute, he works for Gascon. And yet you see firsthand how destructive his soft on crime policies are. Explain why you feel maybe this is a moment to basically get him out of that position. 
The, the, there is so many deputy district attorneys who work for my office who are dedicated to fighting for justice, fighting for victims, uh, fighting for what's right and following the law. Um, George Gascon came into our office and has completely destroyed the office and has the morale in the office is at an all-time low. Uh, we just had a vote today, and almost 98% of the deputy district attorneys in my office uh, voted uh, to support the recall of George Gascon. Basically, Rita, we have a 15-year high in homicides. There are so many family members who are losing loved ones. There are children who are being shot and killed. Uh, there are in innocent people who are being shot and killed. Um, we have a lot of robberies, a lot of follow-home robberies. Um, we have a lot of smash-and-grab burglaries. Um, we've even had you know, major train thefts. And we have a DA who day one came out, and the first thing he did is he said, uh, here's a list of all of the crimes that I'm not going to charge. And, and we've had um, major crime spikes in Los Angeles ever since George Gascon has took office. Yeah, and by the way, seeing it in other so many major cities across the country, New York, Philly, San Francisco, um, I want to get your take on this particular case of this Hannah Tubbs, who was James Tubbs. Um, and I, first, I want to play a little clip of Hannah Tubbs laughing from prison. This is a recording of a phone call that she was having with her father, basically mocking the whole judicial system under George Gascon. Take a listen. Don't worry about it. It's a strike. But they're going to plead. I'm going to plead out to it. I'm going to plead guilty. They're going to stick me on probation, and it's going to be dropped. It's going to be done. Done. I won't have to register once or nothing. For an offender, you don't have to register? I won't have to do none of that. So what are they going to do to you then? Nothing. It's unbelievable. When you hear that, John, and obviously I know that your area of expertise is helping uh, children and sex crimes and crimes against young people, um, which is such an important area, such a hard area to work in. So bravo for you for being there. And when you hear this, it makes me sick to my stomach. And part of the reason, as you know, there is such huge recidivism with these sexual offenders. And to hear this case where this guy at the age of 26 is going to be put in a juvenile facility, that's outrageous, John Hatami. I was shocked. First off, we have to talk about the victim. Uh, this is a, a young girl who was brutally and violently molested, and she has to live with that now for the rest of her life. She also has to live with the fact that George Gascon snatched any amount of justice that she was able to obtain. She now has to live with the fact that this individual is going to get out in as early as six months and at maximum two years not have to register as a sex offender. Um, there's a total injustice for the victim. It also is a major public safety concern because he doesn't have to register as a sex offender. George Gaston can care less. He can care less about children in Los Angeles. In addition to that, like what you said, there's a 26-year-old now being housed with kids. There's a 26-year-old being housed with kids. And that already is a dangerous in and of itself. And you don't hear George Gascon saying anything about the safety of the other juveniles who are in this facility with this individual who molested a child. Also, Rita, I want, I want to let your audience know that George Gascon actually blamed the victim. He actually said that because he claimed that the victim didn't want to testify, therefore he gave this child molester such a good deal. That is completely 
completely shocking that he's blaming the victim in a case, a child victim who was molested. It's, it's disgusting. It's unbecoming of a district attorney. It's somebody who completely has no idea uh, how to treat child victims, has no idea about the Me Too movement, movement, has no idea about the fact that it is so difficult for young individuals and children to have to relive a sexual assault, to have to come into court and testify, and have to talk about really intimate details in front of individuals. Absolutely. And then for the to blame them is shocking. Disgusting. Really quick, how can people find out about you? We just have a few seconds left, John, because I say bravo to you. Please uh, uh, log into my website at buybyegeorge.com. And, you know, uh, um, we're trying to raise money to bring uh, our voice uh, to Los Angeles. Thank you, John, so much. John, thank you. Awesome. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which I love, we always get to honor our great men and women in military uniform, a Pennsylvania man who took part in one of World War II's most important battles was honored and celebrated this week on the anniversary of that event. Earl Reinhardt, now 96 years old, is one of the few remaining veterans who was there for the famous flag raising on Mount Suribachi following the Battle of Iwo Jima in 1945. And his friends honored him 77 years after that historic event took place. Reinhardt grew up on a farm in Pennsylvania, and he volunteered for the Navy shortly after the Pearl Harbor attack. And he was just 16 years old at the time. He was part of the Iwo Jima invasion and was there when that flag was raised on Sarabachi to signify an American victory with a Pulitzer Prize winning photo capturing that very moment. Reinhardt had also taken part in a number of other key battles in the Pacific during World War II, including the Battle of Okinawa, before returning to Pennsylvania in 1946 for a much quieter life to work in construction and how beautiful that he was alive and able to be honored today and to represent so many people of that greatest generation. And we are talking about these soft on crime DAs. You just heard from Deputy DA of Los Angeles, John Hatami, who is outraged that his boss is basically giving a slap on the wrist to very serious and very violent offenders. And one of them recently, this really epitomizes the case. It's a case of a transgender child molester who is now 26. His name is, his name was James. Now it is Hannah Tubbs has done a transition to being a transgender now individual, goes by the name Hannah Tubbs, and was convicted just a few years ago after being caught uh, and arrested because... It took a while to track him down and of basically sexually assaulting a 10-year-old girl in a Denny's bathroom years ago. And by the way, that girl has come out and said that she is outraged that now this convicted sex offender has basically been sentenced to two years in a juvenile facility. He's now 26 years old and now goes by the name Hannah Tubbs, and he's getting put in a juvenile facility, and you're a child molester? That's like a child molester's paradise. I mean, it's just scary. 
It's really, really scary, and I just think it's horrible. And the victim, who is now 18, because this happened a number of years ago, she was 10 at the time, says that she is appalled by the sentence by Light on Crime DA George Gascon, who said, no, this person at the time of the crime was 17 years old, about to be 18. We're going to feel sorry for him, essentially. Well, if you look at the fact, he had a whole bunch of other things in his track record. And now, since the time of this assault, there's been a whole bunch of other violent assaults in his background. And what does he get? He gets a slap on the wrist. He basically is spending two years in a facility and thinks that he's just going to get probation. In fact, in jailhouse calls that were leaked, he was just kind of laughing about it with his dad, saying, oh, you know, basically now call me a she and I'm going to flee if I get caught again. They're not going to do anything. They're not even going to register me as a sex offender. So not only is it an enormous insult to this young victim who had the courage to come forward and talk about it, you know, and and now had to endure what she had to go through. Not only is that, think about all the crimes that have taken place, apparently, that this guy's now accused of and in some cases convicted of since that time. That could have been prevented. So there are huge repercussions for these light-on-crime DAs, and I'm happy to see that John Hatami and others are leading the effort to try to recall this guy. I wish they could do it in New York. We can't do it in New York, unfortunately. The governor's got to step in and have some guts and get rid of the guy Alvin Bragg in New York. But in Los Angeles, they're pushing for a recall. And by the way, um, the place, if you want to find out more on the recall, is buybygeorge.com, buybygeorge.com is the website, to join that recall in Los Angeles to get rid of this guy who put this fiend basically uh, in a light-on-crime place, basically a juvenile facility, and he's 26 years old. This is insane. Take a listen to a little bit of this guy's conversation with his father again, where he's just like, "Ah, no big deal, Dad. Take a listen. What we're trying to avoid is trying to avoid the registering thing. That's what we're trying hardest to not do. Yeah, I know, Bubba. We're also trying to avoid going to prison again. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. That's a good idea. Yeah, because this time if I went in, I'm getting that sex change. You what? Yeah, I said this time if I go in, if I was to go in, I would get the sex change, so I wouldn't be in a man's yeah. prison no more. I'd be in a female's facility. It'd be better. There's some bitches in there too. Wow. Did you just hear that talk about gaming the system? If I get caught again, then I will actually go and get the actual sex change, not just identify myself as a woman, and that way I won't need to be in a man's prison, then I'll just be in a female prison. You know, that's just where you want a child molester. I mean, this is just insane, totally gaming and laughing at the system. Well, Joe Grimaldi of the Fraternal Order of Police said these DAs like this guy, George Gascon, who allowed the sex offender to basically get no punishment whatsoever after he was a repeat offender, And also Alvin Bragg in New York. Well, they just do not get it. And things are not going to get better till tough on crime DAs get put in their place. And, you know, they're rolling out a new crime plan, but I I don't have the heart to tell them that unless the DA's office and DA's like Alvin Bragg and and Gascon find some common sense and grow a spine, it's not going to make a whole hell of a lot of difference because these criminals are going to be out before the ink is dry on the paperwork. And the criminals know it. So what do you make of the fact that now it is so bad that a group of deputy DAs, including the one who you just heard here on the show, John Hatami, John is joining forces with the others and basically saying, hey, it is time to get rid 
of this totally light on crime DA. What can be done in New York? What should be done in other cities around the country? Is it time to really get tough and speak out? And anybody with a conscience, you better speak out. You think about a 10-year-old girl sexually assaulted in a restaurant and the guy is basically serving no prison time? There is something really rotten with the system. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And, you know, I have covered as a journalist so many different sex crimes and so many different, you know, offenders like this. These guys are some of the worst of the worst. And this guy was laughing at the DA on tape. And why wouldn't he be laughing? He's not getting any punishment. He's not getting the message. The DA isn't telling him. He's not getting basically the book thrown at him. He's not getting a wake-up call. He's thinking about getting a sex change. So if he does it, quote, again, then, and gets caught, first he said he's going to flee the country if it were to happen. He's not saying, I'm not going to do it. He's like, "When if I get caught again, if this guy doesn't need to be locked up and thrown away the key, you know, I don't know who does. And then you got Alvin Bragg in New York with a recent case of a person who was assaulted, a woman who was um, assaulted. She was robbed at the Lexington and 63rd Street subway. And a guy got into her backpack, took $60. They bust the person. Turns out the person has 46 prior arrests. You heard me, 46 prior arrests. So what happens? He goes before Alvin Bragg's DAs and Alvin Bragg's DAs decide that it's not grand larceny, which would be a much more severe punishment. Let's downgrade it to petty larceny, which is basically nothing. A guy with 46 arrests, don't you think he's got to do it again and he's going to have 47th and 48th? How many more victims do we need to see before these DAs get a wake-up call? Listen to Joe Grimaldi again. This is, again, the National Fraternal Order of Police guy who says this is disgusting. Is there anybody that is more out of touch with New Yorkers than D.A. Bragg and his staff? I mean, it's incredible. A recent Quinnipiac poll just said that 74 percent of New Yorkers believe that crime is a serious problem. And they're right. Shootings are up 42 percent in New York and the subway crime is up 65 percent. Slashings are up 35 percent. And the brain trust that the D.A.'s office thinks, let's go light on this guy. Claude Myers arrested 46 previous times. He was also on parole when he took that from that woman. And then they go ahead and downgrade the charge. I mean, this makes absolutely no sense. So how out of touch are these DAs across the country? And when is enough enough? And also, many of you in law enforcement who I know listen to the shows, I want to hear your thoughts about these cases, because neither one of these repeat criminal offenders are getting the message They are laughing at the system. You literally have a child molester who's on audio tape. You hear him in his calls laughing with his dad. Imagine what a loony kazoony family that is. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pete in Staten Island. Pete, your thoughts about this guy who is now Hannah, and he's laughing with his father about what he did. It's horrible. Rita, that is the most worst thing in the world, a child molester. And back in the day, I hope it still goes on now, when you're in prison, you're dealt with. Because most of the guys that are in the can, they have children at home, and they love their children. 
Yeah, and no, they, you're right. You know, There's a hierarchy among criminals. You're right. And they they consider them right. the lowest. Of, the thing that's that in this case, Pete, is in this particular case, the guy's going to a juvenile detention center. That is the most stunning thing I've ever heard. He's 26 years old because at the time of the crime, he was 17. And since they didn't bust him until years later, they're still trying him under the time of when he was. So can you imagine they're sending him to a juvenile detention facility, which is nowhere near as difficult as a prison for adults. And they're going to send a child molester into a that's like sending a child molester to, a, you know, to a playground. I mean, that's unbelievable. It's like uh, the worst thing you could do. I mean, it's like sending a, a, having an alcoholic as a bartender. I mean, you know, there's so much temptation there. It's disgusting. I mean, uh, well, I hope that he gets dealt with like the old school used to do because I did a little time, you know, minor things. And in prison, you, you get street justice sometimes, you know. And in this case, I think he's going to have to watch where he walks and what he talks. By the way, what do you think of his dad? That, you know, it's so odd. He's on the phone with his father. This is a conversation with him and his father that was recorded when he was waiting for a sentence. I think he was in jail waiting for the sentence after they arrested him. Thank goodness he was behind bars a little bit of time for that. Um, but what do you make of his father? I mean, can you imagine if you're talking to your father like, ha, 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 the father should have said, yeah, the father should have said, son, you're a sick man. You need help. A book deal. He'll do a book deal because this is sick. You know, hey, listen, who would know? Who Judge Ito is, if they didn't know Jay, if they found O.J. innocent. I met the actual judge that had that case uh, and at a wedding, and we talked, and he said he got away from that case because he said my whole life would be ruined. And Judge Ito, you don't even know where he is. He's on some island hiding out. As he should be. Boy, as he should be. Pete, thank you very much for the call. Really appreciate it. Let's go to Tom in Brooklyn. Tom, your thoughts about this uh, sick man who is laughing at the justice system. To me, it epitomizes the policies of these soft on crime DAs throughout the country. I agree with you. You know, good evening, Rita. Um, I was a victim of uh, child sexual abuse. And it, it's just really these, this kind of stuff really pisses me off. And I can't believe that the father was so dismissive and was happy that his son was going to get a, ch- a sex change and, and a light sentence as well. And, and while in jail, the state had to pay for this. Isn't that outrageous? Come on, give me a break here. It is outrageous. Reform, it's out- The whole bail reform is a, is a tactic by the communists to cause disruption and division in America. You know, Mao said, Mao, the uh, communist Mao, said to cause division and anarchy, to dissuade the population, to create unrest. And I remember reading something like that or hearing something about that, and that really pisses me off. You know, that I think this is... Some really weird stuff going on in America lately. It is. I can't believe it. And, Tom, real quick, before I let you go, you mentioned that you were a victim, um, the victim yes. of this. I'm sorry. I'm oh. not a victim. I'm a survivor. You're a survivor. By the way, bravo to you. Bravo to you. Bravo to you, no Tom. No longer a victim. Absolutely. And the woman who encountered this monster in Denny's has come out and now spoken out about this guy that we were talking about and said she cannot believe the lenient sentence. She thinks it's outrageous. She said, you know, she lives every day with what happened to her. Um, you know, what is your message as as a survivor and having gone through this? And, and by the way, how courageous are you? I, I applaud you for calling and, and talking right now tonight. But what's your message, um, especially to these soft on crime DAs? Uh, well, I've been dealing with this for a lot of years. It happened to me between 6 and 12 multiple times, multiple perpetrators. And um, 
I don't know. I, I have to live with it every day. I'm, I'm in therapy for it now. Uh, I've been in therapy for about 20 years now. Um, and, I, you know, I, I just don't understand why these, these prosecutors and the DA can't have some common sense. You know, I understand about bail reform. If you want to do some common sense bail reform, I get it. You know, the guy with a backpack not going to stay a year in jail before he gets a court date. I understand stealing a backpack doesn't need to be in jail for a year. But, you know, something like this. Shouldn't he be remanded? Shouldn't he be? I mean, this is ridiculous, the stuff that's going on in our, in our, in our system today. And uh, all it is is just creating anger in me, and I'm, I have to go do my meditation and be mindful and not to get too angry before, I, you know, I'm a cutter as well. I used to cut. I still cut myself at times. Wow. But you know what? You don't want to do that, you know, and, and I, I go to therapy, and I go to my, my uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, and I'm, and I'm actually going tomorrow to my therapist. Well, and this kind of stuff just really aggravates me. Well, Tom, first of all, I really appreciate you calling in and your insight is so important having gone through what you went through. And as you mentioned, also just the repercussions of what happens to victims, not just um, at that time, but how it stays with them for years to come and why it is so important that we get tough on criminals. Um, And thank you so much for your courage. And thank you for sharing your story here on the show tonight. I really, really appreciate it. You stay safe and you stay well. Um, and you stay being um, a really powerful message as a survivor, Tom. Thank you very, very much. When we come back, everybody, we're going to continue with your calls. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Why it is so important to get tough on these criminals to uh, be able to honor survivors like Tom and others. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And I am hot-blooded when I hear about these cases of DAs allowing repeat offenders to get out. And the worst case, I think, one of the worst ones that I've heard in a long time is this convicted sex offender who now is 26 years old but was a 17, almost 18-year-old, could have been tried as an adult, thrown in prison, But no, they decided to try him at the age he was when he offended, which, again, was on that border. And the DA decided, well, no, soft on crime DA, let's make it a juvenile and basically give him basically no prison time for a convicted child molester who was caught on audio tape laughing about it, saying, "Um, I don't even have to register as a sex offender. How scary is that for society? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Freddie. In Flushing, go ahead, Freddie, your thoughts on this matter, because it makes me sick to hear that this guy is getting basically a slap on the wrist. No big deal. Well, pleasure speaking to you again, Rita, but I'll make this quick because I know it's the end of the show. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, but they recalled Gascon in, in California based on this same premise. But we have a problem. By, and by the way, he, by the way, they're trying to. They're just starting that effort. They they have to get a certain amount of signatures, but they just launched. They did get it. They launched they the second it. recall. Right, and the unfortunate part is we don't have that here. And we have when we have an AG that's running based on let's put Trump in jail. Now forget Trump. Just the fact she ran on that that premise is scary thought. But I will tell you this: uh, the captains. I don't know if you remember. I spoke to you. They now tell their men that, and this is coming firsthand from a family member, they'll, they tell their men, if you can get him for a felony, get him with as many charges as you can so something sticks. 
So the cops can only do so much, but there's a borderline there because if they get arrested, they tend to push harder. Now, as far as this convicted felon, I'll make this quick. I'm not convicted felon. This gentleman that's 18, they call them short eyes in jail. He'll do it again. It's inevitable. And when he does go to prison, I can guarantee you with truth that things do happen. So, unfortunately, there would have to be another victim. I hope that doesn't happen. But I think you and I both know these people don't really change their M.O., if you will. Yes, yeah, sadly. I just want to know your thoughts on things. Oh, on, on no. Gas code. I want to know your thoughts. Fred, yeah, thank you. By the way, I think absolutely a recall um, which is in the works. And, in fact, John Hatami is one of the deputy DAs who's pushing that. I say bravo, bravo, bravo. I think George Gascon is a menace to society in Los Angeles. I think Alvin Bragg is putting New York City at risk. And I think these folks need a huge wake-up call. And when there are abilities to recall, like in L.A., you can. In New York, it's the governor, Governor Hochul. And I hope that more pressure is put on her to try to remove Alvin Bragg because how many more victims do these people have to have? How many more crimes do we have to see? I think it is so important that people speak out. I think there should be more protests, peaceful protests, but get the message out, guys, because these people are doing it over and over again, and they need to be taught a lesson peacefully but vocally. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.